70% of you that listen to Wholeness with Hannah don't actually subscribe. Following us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcast helps more than you know. The bigger the following, the more the podcast can evolve. So if you hit follow, it would mean so much to me. Thanks. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Wholeness with Hannah, a podcast to remind you that your personal whole is the only goal. Feeling whole and aligned can mean totally different things to different people. Give yourself permission to love what you love, feel what you feel, and believe that you deserve everything that you want just because you want it. Me and my guests discuss all things mental, physical, spiritual, and financial health alongside tools, practices, and concepts that can help to enhance the everyday experience of life. I can't promise that we won't go a little off topic at times because I warn you now, I'm a bit of a talker, but I hope this podcast leaves you a little more equipped than it found you. Nobody else is you and that is your power. Now let's get into this week's episode. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Wholeness with Hannah. This week I'm joined by Annalie Howling. Annalie is a well-celebrated elite performance coach, trauma specialist, expert in intimacy and sexuality, and a highly sought-after speaker. With over 20 years in spirits in her field, Annalie has worked with elite sports people, leaders in business, and members of the armed forces. Her goal is to help you maximize your potential, break down self-imposed limitations to perform at your best. She offers masterclasses, guides, visualizations, and meditations, and each week offers advice, paradigm shifts, and reflections to empower and clear your mind. I'm a massive fan of Anna Lee, so I'm totally girl crushing right now. I love her social media presence, and having listened to her on multiple podcasts, I love her openness, honesty, and positivity, and was delighted when she said she was up for coming on the pod. So it's my pleasure to welcome her today. Hello, Anna Lee. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming. So to start then, can you tell us, I know I've given you a bit of an intro there, but a bit about yourself and how you got into what you do now. Yeah, sure. So um, I we're recording in Soho right now and I was just chatting to you off camera that my office for sort of my my big main job was literally around the corner. So I, I know these streets very well. Yeah. I, I pounded these streets literally a lot. Um, and I had a huge, enormous, devastating burnout just before I turned 30, um, whereby I was ill all the time and didn't know why and I'm doing all the stuff and, you know, I'm trying to go and get intolerance tests and change my exercise regime. I mean, I'm 42, nearly 43 now, right? So this is like quite a long time ago, right. you know, and trying to figure all this out. And I had this great job and this great opportunity and I'm chasing all the stuff you're meant to chase and I'm successful in inverted commas, people that are just listening. And I was so unwell and I was so unhappy and I ended up um, having a coaching session with one of my friends who just got into coaching. And at that time, coaching was so woo-woo. It was like, oh, yeah. dream catchers and hemp trousers. Right. And it was not like it is now, yeah, where, like it's, it is now where, yeah. where it's a cool thing to have a coach, yeah. you know. And anyway, she did this session with me and she did a guided visualization. And it was so impactful and so profound. And the things that I saw, I can see it now, which... Okay, of course, that's my subconscious, but I could not have known I'd have one daughter. There wasn't a man in the picture. It was like, you know, oh, oh, this is, there's a lot. A lot had happened where I live now. A visualization. Complete visualization. Yeah. And it was, I mean, I haven't got control over that, you know, over (laughs) over that. And uh, anyway, it was so impactful and so amazing. And before that, I think I'd only ever experienced training. You know, like when you're in a job and you're like, presentation skills. And I hadn't really like connected to that that deeply. Like Uh you go along, but it had never had the same impact on me that that this coaching thing had. Mm. And because I'm a type A, I was like, right, I need to be the best at this thing, find out everything about it. So I um, bought a house in my current job. The day I, I got the mortgage and completed, here's my notice. 
went freelance in the industry that I was in, took myself off to San Francisco, which is the home of these coaching schools, right. indoctrinated myself in every modality in this in this wow. place that you could and got all the certifications because I like collecting medals and certificates yeah. as part of my type so, A. So what certifications do you have? Oh, my goodness. So um, family systems, romantic relationship, not my favourite to coach, but I can do it. <laughs> I can do it. I had to do that in the training. Yeah. Uh, so any so systems coaching is any number more than one. So it could be you're doing a, a huge corporate back in the day of like 3,000 on one of their kind of groups, or you can be doing any kind of size team, which I really like doing. I do a lot of post M&A, merger and acquisition work. Oh, yeah. So when there's, you know, maybe two different parties being forced together, yeah. a bit like a divorced family, yeah. everyone get along. Yeah. Uh, so I did a lot of that work. And then um, the sort of more traditional one-to-one life coaching. Uh, I've done psychometric work. I can do all of these kind of modalities. And then it progressed into me learning about trauma and EMDR. Mm. But the very long answer to how did I get into it is a crushing burnout where I wasn't intolerant to gluten. I was intolerant to my life and my body was going to stop me. And because I wasn't listening, wasn't listening, just pushing, pushing, pushing. Like, I see you nodding. I reckon everyone else listening to this is nodding. (laughs) And I was ignoring the enormous elephant in the room slash flashing warning sign, which was that my career was slowly, literally, you know, ruining my body. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the intervention. But it was a coaching session that my brilliant and beautiful friend, Nikki Armitage Foy, did for me of Electric Woman. And uh, to this day, it is uh, relevant. Amazing. I'm just, as you said, I was nodding because I can totally relate. I had the same thing when I was 29. I was in a banking job, burnt out, fainted at my desk, made some changes. So, and I'm sure everyone listening will on some level relate to some sort of burnout in your life by the time you're in your 30s or Mm. something. Well, that's interesting. I love that. You kind of pursued, did it just kind of come to you then? Like, you said you flew to San Francisco, but... Yeah, I, I knew I needed to leave the industry. So what was actually, your industry? It was construction. Okay. So construction oh, very property. Male. Very male. Mm. Wait, this is before me too as well. Mm. So I was actually having a conversation with someone last week, not, not to get, you know, super all up in everyone's grill about this, but I was touched so many times. Like, oh yeah. my God, just just so yeah. many people touched me. I'm still very triggered about that now. So okay. I'm not great when someone wants to give me a hug. Like, oh God, it, I hugged you when you came oh, in. Oh, no, no, that's <laughs> like, I love that. I mean, more, um, you know, yeah, just, I know you especially, yeah, I'll yeah. be honest, especially men. I don't yeah. really like people in my space yeah. kind of, uh, there's an expectation of intimacy with, you know, you and I have been communing for a long time yeah, and yeah, it's very yeah. different, but yeah, I, I struggle with that now because of having people in my space, you know, being told to wear a certain thing for dinner for clients. My, oh, I've been there. Right? My Part of my job was to... Um, so I worked in business development, oh. even though I had an MBA, but apparently that was the right job for me. But they never wanted to promote me because obviously I wouldn't be out drinking with clients. And I was a contractor, which is kind of the bottom of the food chain in the construction right. protocol. And I was told that I had to be the last person there with the clients. So I couldn't leave early, you know, oh. because I'm the one that has to pay yeah. entertain yeah. and dance for me. You know, and like I had to be the one that did that. And then, but then because I was lucky and everyone else in the office knew that I didn't work very hard and I had a blissy job, I had to be in no matter what time I finished by 8 a.m. I bet you had the same. Oh, yeah. It was the early start that was the problem for me. Yeah. There was no recovery. There was no work from home. There was no get a cabin. It was if I finished at 3 a.m., which very often I did because of awards dues and they always mm-hmm. would 
come at once mm-hmm. and you're at the Grosvenor House. I mean, this sounds very privileged and it sounds like a life of luxury, doesn't it? But it's not and it eats you alive. It's a trap. Yeah. And I didn't realise that I was selling my soul. And that's what made me leave was that this lovely expenses account and my office used to be opposite the Sanderson, again, which seemed great mm. and the big parties and it was not my money. And, you know, you could stay out late. But I had this realisation around the time of the burnout that one of my really good friends was turning 30 and it was a Saturday night and all of our friends are going to be there for her birthday. And I was broken because I'd done three of these nights that week. The 3 a.m., the back in the office at 8, the feeling like hell, you know, literally. I'm relating so hard right, right now. Literally, yeah. I'm, well, I can see your eyes go. Yeah. Like, feeling emotional. Like, yeah, like yeah. I actually felt that. Like one of my friends, I just, when you said a friend's birthday, I the, the scene just came into my mind. Yeah. It was um, my friend's 30th and I was, I, I couldn't, I, I was like, I can't go out again. Yeah. And then it, you'll mean you're sacrificing my weekend with my friends because I've had to go out with work. Yeah. I can see how emotional yeah, you feel. Yeah, and yeah. I felt like such an asshole because I didn't have it in me. I mean, I did. And I pushed through, but I wasn't my best self for my friends. I wasn't my best self for people that were actually, you know, my life. And I just thought this is really fucked up, you know. And so that was kind of a big warning light flashing sign. And then thankfully I had the session with Nikki, who'd left a job in PR and had gone off. We're all like, oh, here we go. She's off to San Francisco and oming. And she was doing all the stuff, like fair play. And it it all seemed a bit. But when I had the that visualization and I'd I'd known from from that moment that week and I knew it was wrong you know I knew that the being asked to wear certain things and um by the way not given a budget for it either like you know not like I wasn't given like clothing (laughs) yeah it wasn't like devil wears Prada and I had a nice wardrobe to go in and got made up it was like you know so you're spending all your own money on these things and, and I say now with clients, when I'm coaching corporate clients, especially people with very, very well-paid jobs, I had a well-paid job, I was really successful. I was very well thought of, you know, all this stuff that you think you need. But what would you pay not to feel like that? And that's kind of what I realized I was doing. Like, what was I paying just to band-aid myself through literally every day just to get through this thing for what? Yeah. You know, and for me, it was a big a big drive towards financial security because yeah. I grew up in a household of violence. And for me, there was never the sense I could just go home. You know, if right. only I could have just gone home and like lay in, you know, go into sort of a, like a hibernation for a while and come out and redone things. But that wasn't an option. So part of me, I understand that now from my own work and, and work that I do was this drive to create security for me, which was financial, which meant that I was in that game. I was in the matrix. So that's where it came from. Completely. Yeah. So now you're a specialist in trauma. Mm. What can you talk us for a little bit about that? What kind of trauma? And you mentioned EMDR. Could you tell us what that is for people that don't know? Yeah, of course. So EMDR is eye movement desensitization reprocessing. And I'm, I'm moving my fingers bilaterally from right to left across my face. You mm. can do that either by uh, by eye movement or if people can't see or don't want to see. I do a lot of work with veterans of the armed forces. Mm-hmm. I sit on the board of a charity for veterans. I would okay. never charge a veteran. Any veterans that ever listen, I would never charge you. Um, so, and Or you can do tapping. So you can tap on the back of someone's palms you have to have your legs uncrossed so you can tap with your hands up on someone's palms or just directly on the knees and you can do it to yourself as well if you're under a table if you're feeling a bit you, you go fast if you're trying to get something out you notice why you do that when you're feeling nervous oh, and you're yeah, discharging you. stress yeah. so yeah that's uh, a method of emdr but it's really that to me was the piece of the puzzle that just coaching didn't quite get to mm. so coaching is amazing and it's great if you're like annalee i want to change my job I want to lose 10 pounds. I want to get myself back out there for dating. It's like, great, right. we've got your goal. Yeah. Let's go. And we might still like uncover some shadow in there and like what's holding you back and, you know, your saboteur or the inner critic. Fine. 
but it, it is a bit surface like and like i say it's beautiful and it's fantastic and if you're if you're charging towards a goal incredible you've got to know what you, you've got to know what you want to get uh, out yeah of it, definitely you? and you can have accountability and it's fantastic and i do a huge amount of work in that area and i love it but actually now with all of my clients and i've got one now a guy in the states who i adore um and i said to him we were doing a, a check-in very very senior massive job and it was like a chemistry session to sort of see you know, they interview a couple of coaches oh, yeah. i'm part of their sort of uh, group of people like they might employ the yeah. Yeah, yeah there's me doing an audition and he went da, 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 getting divorced da, 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 and he went really quick and I let him do his thing about the other challenges in the organization or his role that he was facing and I said right you did a brilliant job there of trying not to tell me but if you work with me this is your whole life and he just went <sighs> like okay he went I, I don't even want to speak to the others we need to work together Aww. so because he was going to try and, and keep that out right. so that's the kind of coaching piece. And for me now, since understanding EMDR, and I've done a lot of work in performance. I've worked extensively in sports. As part of that, I'd learned a lot about the polyvagal theory, which is to do with your sympathetic, your parasympathetic nervous, nervous system. system, which leads on to breath, which leads on to sort of, you know, you can look at that for a resiliency tool. I was looking at that at the time around sort of burnout and presenteeism in organization and some technology around that, which is really interesting. But I'd learn all about mm. that. And then EMDR, it turns out as I was learning this is this trauma technique which really focuses again on polyvagal so it was like the deathly hallows for me all three <laughs> all three just came together at always once. love a Harry Potter reference oh, right and it, it just all came together and I was like oh my god this is it this is it and that was okay. the piece that was missing in my own healing journey and I'd I'm always a try before you buy I will never recommend I will never do anything for anybody that I've not had done myself and I can absolutely say like very fortunate now I'm in a position where people ask me if I'll promote a product or would I like to receive something and I'm, I don't get paid to promote things but I say I will try it and if I genuinely like it then I'll mention I've used it but yeah. I, I will not I feel quite responsible for yeah. community or anything that I'm saying and the same with any modality I might use on somebody I need to know what it feels like I need to know what the experience is and so yeah EMDR is a, is a absolutely exquisite i personally think that everyone should have access to it i know that not all therapists are the same so it's a, a really important thing to make sure that if you're going to go and do it to find someone that really uh, interrogates their process and that they're, they're a very well trained practitioner yeah. but it just shortcuts so much and there was a point in my journey that i just couldn't talk anymore i was so tired i was so exhausted of trying to Let's go. Let's figure out your anger. Like, yeah. I'm not very angry. Yeah. I'm tired. Yeah. Like, I need someone else to take some of this from me and kind of unravel it. And a bit like if you've got a big knot in your shoulder, can you please get it out for me? Because I keep rubbing creams on and it's helping a bit, yeah. but it's not moving. So it gets the trauma out of your Literally, body. Literally, I see yeah. it. I can see. I can see where it'll be in someone's body. I That's can see where people are storing it. Yeah. And it's incredible. You can see it being moved out of someone's system. Yeah, so I've got into this stuff this year and I've had energy healing sessions nice. where I release stuff out of my body. And I had, I say this on every podcast we record, I've had rapid transformational therapy, oh, which is uh, yep. subconscious. I know Marissa. Oh, it's a pair. Yeah, yes, exactly, exactly. Um, so what, one thing I have really found and everything you're saying is, I think there are people don't, and I didn't realise before, how your body holds on to stuff. Mm. Like, we're not taught that at school. No. We're not taught this stuff. And I think it's so important. You can see people going through life. And as you said, you can now look at them and you can know what's going on. Yeah. I mean, if I, like, just a little trigger warning here, I'm going to talk about sexual assault. I do mm. a lot of work with um, people that have undergone sexual assaults. Mm -hmm. And if you think about what you're going to do, what your body's going to do, you're going to do this. <gasps> yeah. 
and there's and that's going to be in there. Yeah, it doesn't. And you're going to store just get it released on its own, does it? No, and you're going to store it in certain places, and then it can be reinvigorated, if you like, in other scenarios, not necessarily in the same scenario, whereby maybe you're on the tube, like I travelled yes. in today, and you can feel a bit closed, yes. and you. And then the thing with trauma is, post-traumatic stress in my training has been defined as anything post three months. So an example that I was trained with that I'll give now. Mm. If you were involved in a bank robbery, if we went to go and get some cash out, we're going to have a nice lunch. Mm. And then we were like, go on the floor. We did all the stuff. And both of us came away. We were fine, thankfully. But gosh. And we went to go and get some trauma therapy. Right now, because it was today, we would have every single part that we can remember worked on as an individual protocol is what it's called. So like when we left this building, when we first heard the crack of someone coming in. So it would be six yeah. or seven or eight events that we can really clearly remember, like like flashbacks. So we say like a flashback picture. Anything after three months mm. becomes post-traumatic stress, which means it's kind of blobbed into one, if you like. So that's one thing. So you would treat it as an event there's a worst moment which we find so it could be if we're using the bank robbery scenario it could be when you were told to get on the floor it Mm. could be the look in the cashier's eyes when they were terrified but anything after that this is this is where trauma is so sort of mischievous is that you and i could be out and we could be reading a newspaper watching the news and they could talk about how chicago is the most uh the biggest city for bank robberies that becomes part of your traumatic memory it becomes true to you as well not always, but a lot of the time. And so this kind of space junk, as you can call it, this thing in your system can be so actively reinvigorated so many times. And until we find a way to discharge it, I'm not saying everyone has to do MDR, but find yeah. some breath work, find some RTT, find some energy healing, find a yeah. a, a really safe place to explore, explore some of things. Read Bezel van der Kolk's work, like uh, Gabor Mate, you know, yeah. like find places to look at what effect some of this has had on you mm. and... Where is it impacting your life now? Because you might then say, well, I'm not going to Chicago. Can't yeah, risk that. you don't or, even realise why. Right. Or I don't want to go to that big city on a Saturday or in the back of your mind, well, it was a Tuesday afternoon, so actually I'm going to work from home on those days. And then I, I found myself, I had an incident in my divorce where the barrister on the other side was so aggressively going for me, like a man, again, yeah. in my space. Mm-hmm. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Get a job. Got a job. Like, you know, like he, was, I mean, he was literally just lying and shouting and pointing. And in no world have I been in, probably since good old yeah. classic construction days, having men in my space and really aggressive. And I came away from there that night and had horrific nightmares, possibly to be expected. And then I could feel that it was really affecting me. So I was like going to the supermarket and I don't know, say it's trapped, like, you know, queuing up to park or something and people are getting irritated and I would drive away. And I was like, I need to go. And thankfully I have the tools, I have the skills, I have the network, I have the privilege, I have the community. I knew exactly where to go to get it sorted out and get it sorted out, I did. But that was beginning to take roots in me. Yeah. It was beginning. It's so good that you could feel it. It was beginning. Well, it's, it's, I'm privileged and I'm privileged that I understood it and I'm privileged that I had somewhere to go. But I want to sort of talk about this so that people that are listening to me going, I felt really stupid because I haven't wanted to go to the shops or get back on the tube. Like coming here, I saw a guy drinking on the tube and it's it's the morning, you know, on a Wednesday. Or drinking alcohol. Yeah, mm. openly. And you see people not sitting anywhere near him. 
And to me, and then then the, the tube got stuck outside the tunnel. I was a little bit late. Mm-hmm. And he's, I can see him panicking. And he's taking off layers and he's, you know, beginning to panic. And it'd be very easy to judge. And I obviously don't know his story. Yeah. But to me, that's someone that's deeply uncomfortable yeah. and is struggling, you know, whether it's just a journey or something else is, is struggling to be there. So, yeah, I just want people to listen to this. And it's, a sim- you know, simple as it wasn't very nice, but it was a guy shouting in my face and pointing at me. It wasn't an actual assault or anything like that but that was enough to start impacting me and for me to start becoming anxious in certain scenarios so trauma doesn't discriminate you don't get to win trauma no so just to go back to emdr then because this is a way to get it out of your body what did what do you actually do in an emdr session how does it work yeah it would depend on the client but if i was going to do our lateral eye movement we would go through the event Mm. and we would talk in detail about the event and then i would make notes we kind of agree on the part of the event because it could be quite a long thing that's happened and more often than not if i ask you don't need to talk about it if i ask you to think about something that's happened in your life and I always say it's it's like a flashback. It could be half a second, it could be five minutes, but to you it's so clear mm. and you could be back in it in this moment, like you can have all the same visceral experience. That's the moment that we're going to work on. So then we talk through the event, I'm making notes, then I sit with the client and we go through that with me reading it. And if you think again about sexual assault, mm. that is horrendous. Mm. And we go to the worst moment of that. That's a lot for someone, isn't it? Huge. Mm. But... So I'm speaking it through. That person's having a visceral, physical experience Uh again. We go for the worst moment of the event. And then with that, there's an underlying limiting belief because trauma always leaves behind an underlying limiting belief, which is good old shame. And shame is actually very hard to give words to. Shame is in the body. So shame is is what's Mm -hmm. stuck in you as well. And shame is always I am. So we can have a fun little game with that. So I am disgusting. Mm -hmm. I am a failure. I am unworthy. I am broken. I am unlovable. Unlovable, yeah. Yeah, there's so many of those. And then that is what is left behind. And if you think about that as the lens you see the world through from trauma. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I had that experience in the courtroom. I can't think what mine was. I think it was I I am weak, I think. And I start seeing the world through that lens. So I... I panic at the parking spot or I, you know, I'm not going to maybe take on a certain challenge mm-hmm. or put myself out there because I am weak and I yeah. see myself with that lens. So when we've got hold of the underlying limiting belief, we go through the event, we have the underlying limiting belief, we have the worst moment, then I'll process out depending on which, which we've chosen, whether mm-hmm. it's eyes, tapping, tapping, and according to what's appropriate with the client. And the charge reduces. Now, the way it works is because I'm doing a either lateral eye movement or tapping, your prefrontal cortex remains online. When you go into trauma, fight, flight, fear, mm-hmm. flop, free, uh, fawns, sorry, the five, the fawns one we don't talk about very often, but most pro- yeah, I predominant. Yeah, I haven't heard that one. Oh, much. fawns amazing. So fawning, like I fawned in that job experience we talked about then. I knew it was wrong. I knew what they were asking me to do was wrong. Oh, I knew being is. touched was wrong. Yeah. I knew being at that bar was wrong. But I needed to keep my job. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. So I need yep. to be a good girl. Mm-hmm. And then I've been in relationships where someone's maybe said something and you're like, I'm pretty sure that's not right, but I don't really want to have an argument or mm-hmm. I don't want to be in a difficult situation, so I'll keep the peace. But if we look again at, say, like sexual assault, mm. I've had incidents where it was premeditated, it's gone to high courts. I mean, it's 
hours and hours of the most horrific things I couldn't even begin to imagine. And at some point, the person, the victim, has maybe fawned. And by that, I mean gone along with it, as in because you literally think you're going to die. So just sort of, we're not saying, hooray, here we go, but just, you know, or took off my clothes quicker because I knew what was happening and I wanted to get it over and done with. And you're nodding and I'm nodding. And I think we all would have done the same, like get yourself out of there. So trauma, the way trauma works is your amygdala, your limbic system, this part of your brain fires so much faster than your cognitive function, your prefrontal cortex. In these moments, we just need to get out of dodge, right? We just need to stay alive. So my system, this this fast part of my brain, is going to select the appropriate trauma response for me to activate. Fight, let's just say we're in one of these horrible instances. I can't fight them off. Mm -hmm. Freeze, not going to help right now. Uh, flop is passing out. That's not going to do very much. Right. Flight, I can't run. Most time people are, are literally blocked in somewhere. So the only other one I've got left, the only other one that possibly might get me out of this situation and keep me alive is fawn. Yeah. And we do it so many times. Gotcha. And the other thing I think is really important about fawning to talk about, I think that then can start bleeding into people-pleasing because, of course, we don't want to find ourselves getting anywhere near the stage we might have to activate these trauma responses. So a really important distinction to make, because I know I'm talking about a lot and it's a lot for people to take in. If any of these things are resonating, you did not choose to fawn. It was chosen for you. There is no way you got to choose to fawn. There was one person that I worked with and they'd had an unfortunate incident prior to that whereby someone had done something they weren't happy with, had spoken to some friends, great friends, had then told a wider group and they didn't believe this person. They said, oh, you're making it up. Right. And then after the most horrific scenario I've ever heard in my life, one of the things they said was, well, at least everyone will know it's true now. Wow. Yeah. So, and they, like I say, it, I mean, it's horrific. Yeah. It's just horrific. Uh, but that is... And when I when I discussed what fawning meant and that it, it is not something that you would ever activate, but it's being chosen for you to keep you safe, mm-hmm. it can just help to normalise. Why did I do that? You know, why did I give that person a kiss even though I was terrified and I didn't like them? Why did I... It's a you smiling yeah. and nodding. <laughs> I don't think yes. it, why, why did I yes. say yes to that boss and go out for a drink with him even though I hated him and I was late for my friend's birthday? Do you think women do that more than men? Yes. Yes. Me too. Yeah. I imagine. I think also probably because, like I say, if I just went really practically about it, if we look at the other trauma responses, a lot of the time you can't, you know, say it's a woman to man or even a different scenario, just just practically yeah. the others wouldn't be as as appropriate. Yeah. You usually can't outrun, can't outfight. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I do think that we do tend to do it more. But that, so yes, EMDR is, we, we are also like locating the trauma response that would have happened. Um, and then it's it's coming out, taking out the limiting belief that you may have had. We, we clear your vessel of the shame, which mm. is the I am, the limiting belief. We have all three centers on, so you're able to discharge the event as and one. And that's done by the eyes. Yeah, it? it's incredible. And when it's the second that you've done it, it's as if you're watching yourself in a film rather than it happening to you. You're already one step removed. And then a bit, I say to all my clients, because it's so hard to explain until you've had it done, but it is a bit like getting a big knot out of your shoulder mm. or something like that because you have instant relief but then over time it you get even more distance to the point where I think about some things I've had some EMDR done on some particularly 
uh, awful memories of my father being very violent towards me and that haunted me, mm. you know, and I could, I could have seen it. And now it's almost hard for me to get hold of that memory. It's almost hard for me to, like, did that happen? And I know it did happen, yes. but it's, it's yes. that much distance between it. So, okay. yeah, that is why I think it's so brilliant myself this is just yeah. just my experience of for me and when I work with clients and every single client that I work with um I can't do too many a week because you'll probably appreciate I've yeah. had some because I don't necessarily know what people are coming in with so uh yeah sometimes it's hard for me to because you do take you have to take it on as well don't you yeah you hear it all you have to process it yourself yeah yeah Which, yeah I can imagine it's hard well thank you for sharing all that that was Very amazing welcome. explanation you clearly know everything about it Okay, so another thing then I think comes up a lot and people mm. like to hear about and talk about is relationships. And I know you said it's your least favourite one to coach. Oh, coaching two together. Yeah. Okay, okay. So, <laughs> oh, right. Okay, yeah, that's what, what I mean. mean. Got it. Okay. <laughs> so what what kind of things come to you in terms of dating? Because I think we're all wired for connection, right? So mm. we all want to be doing this and we want to find our partner. And not everyone, but, you know, I'm yep. just saying generally. Yep. Um, so what kind of things do you see in that arena? Does a lot of it come down to how you feel about yourself? I think so much of it does. And I know I did like a video and I did a masterclass recently because I, I just think when you're in a really difficult place and people just go, oh, do you know what you need? You're like, tell me, because yeah. I'm on my knees. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, you need to love yourself first. Yes. And you're like, ah! <laughs> I don't need that. I need a margarita and a really hot guy and like a million quid and like actually that'd be fine. That's what I need. Please God, like fuck off yes, with this. Like, yeah, oh well, great, yeah. okay, I'll just go and do that, shall I? Wait, do I get that a waitrose? Like, yeah. where's the can of self-love? Yeah. So yeah, I think it, easier said than done that one. Right. But it's so like annoying because it is true. Yes. However, I think the like blanket love yourself first is not yeah. helpful. Yeah, yeah. What I would say, I had some questions come in this week actually as well about um should I get back with an ex and these mm. sorts of things? And it's like, just make sure the self-love piece, I think, can be slightly viewed slightly differently is, are you at your best self? Mm. So these decisions that you're making, let's we can call it self-love or we can just call it self-worth or we can just be like, right now today, you know, did I sleep well? Have I had like nice interactions? Mm. Um, how was my journey in? Like, have I got enough space? Am I quick to make this decision? Right. <laughs> Is right now yeah. the best time, moment, day for me to make this choice? Am I my best self? Mm -hmm. If not, what's one thing that I could do today to get myself back up and I'll just put this decision in for tomorrow or next week or whenever it needs to be? Because I think that we do tend to, like, why do we doom scroll on a Sunday night? Like, when are you most likely to open the packet of biscuits and, you know, blow your diet out the window or whatever it might be? And it's, you're not at your best self mm. in that moment. So, yeah, and I think that's really, really important for people to remember because it is really hard. And I'm, I know I sound flippant, but I have been there, you mm -hmm. know, and I've been there when yeah. everything has been hard at the same time. Lockdown, homeschool, divorce, single, no parents, they're violent assholes. Like, you know, wow. just financial yeah. difficulties, uh, your own business, there's no backup plan. Like, I've, I've got my health, I've got my kid. Like, I have, there is yeah. certain privilege, I've got wonderful friends. But, you know, there are moments when you just think, really? Yeah. <laughs> Really? Oh, and then got dicked over by a few guys. So you're like, oh, yeah, like ice another cake. Yeah, right. <laughs> so you just think, okay, I must deal with all of this in this moment, and I know that's how it seems to happen. So I know I'm, I can sound a little bit flippant now, but genuinely, I've been there. And then when people say to you, oh, 
love yourself first, like namaste, you're like, oh yeah. my fucking God, yeah. through gritted teeth that I also yeah. started clenching. Um, yeah, that's very but it's difficult. it's kind of what's underneath the whole love yourself bit totally. what's important, not totally. just saying it and all that. Yeah. Because um, me and my friends always have conversations about kind of dating and stuff. And um, people were like, but how do you know, when you first meet someone, you don't know what they're like. You'll never know. Yeah. Do you know what? You'll never know. And again, I'm early 40s and I've got friends, you know, all different generations. And you can hear shocking stories about people that are, in, you know, together for years yeah. or not or oh. months or whatever. You cannot mitigate for that. You just can't. Mm. I mean, I think there's certain things that you can do in longer term relationships that you might do differently to dating. But this for me is the self-love piece is that you need to like yourself enough and value yourself enough to know that whatever happens and whenever it may happen, you're okay. Yes, I totally agree. Like, it might suck and you might feel sad and there might also just be some practical stuff, like you're unwinding, yeah. you know, and that can also suck and be sad and have some space for that. But if you like your own life, if yes. you like parts of yourself, it doesn't have to be every single part. If you've got your friends and you didn't self-abandon and you've retained relationships, if you haven't, you know, whatever's important to you movement-wise, say, or just things you enjoy doing, don't stop them. And then if you notice any of those things are a bit out, bring some of them back in. But yeah, you none of us know what's going to happen. I mean, yeah. look at the world events we're experiencing now and have experienced. You just have to know that you're investing in the bank account of self and putting enough little deposits in every day that irrespective of anything that happens around you, you're going to be okay. I couldn't agree more. And that's kind of where I'm at, I think. That's how I feel about my life. I and I feel that. so lucky that I've got there. But I can see it's hard. It is definitely hard. But I guess, yeah, you are the most important person in your life. And Completely. I feel like someone comes along and they can add to you. But you need to be full on your own. They're condiments. It's just yes. it's like a, it's a, something to add. <laughs> a bit but you're, salt and pepper. Absolutely. But yeah, your, your life has to be so, yeah. yeah, set. And also, I mean, it's just, you know, the whole adage of it's just much more attractive and your light attracts light. Yeah, so great. you want to make sure that you are... That's like um, the energy you give off is what you attract totally. as well, isn't it? And I guess this... Because I know you do... I do a lot around um, asking for what you want. Women asking for what they mm -hmm. want. And it's sad that that's so rare, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of... First of all, you've got to know what you want. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Point number one is do you actually know your own needs? Yeah. And a lot of the time, a bit like loving yourself, do you know your own parts? Mm. So if someone's unsure start there like you know what is it that you enjoy doing be honest you know rather than well that partner like that or that partner like that so I've got a lot of friends and I love them and they won't want me saying this like one of my friends got this new guy lovely man and suddenly she's wearing a cagoule and doing outdoor pursuits and you're like <laughs> that's not you honey. I've never seen you I've never seen you outside a, you know outside not having a champagne glass like maybe yeah. at the races that's the most outdoorsy I've ever seen you doing something but do you think then that adaptation that she's obviously adapted to him is very common isn't it yeah but then that comes down to as you said not knowing yes. yourself so yes. and it's fine you know it's absolutely fine to like do things here and there and share that's that's really nice and I don't think people that live completely separately are, you know whatever works everyone fine yeah. but like the connection and, and being able to do it together if you want but absolutely having separate interests but yeah you need to know what makes you you and I am the sum of so many parts mm, and some yeah. of them could seem paradoxical like I geek out on leadership and all this kind of trauma stuff and academic stuff I'm unhinged in my personal life with my friends <laughs> like I am you know I have that's like okay. completely okay <laughs> like we did completely okay yeah. and I love that like I'm a mother how old is your daughter she's seven oh, so yeah oh, so isn't it from naught to seven that that's when children build all their beliefs yes as well? exactly so about herself and age. yeah how we do it so yeah I'm a, you know I'm a mother uh 
yeah, you know, there's there's so many different things about my interests, my passions, my purposes. I do have a, a huge need around sex for myself. Yeah. Like I'm big, fo- but pleasure focused rather, you know, I've got a huge... Can you elaborate on that then? Pleasure well, focused. I'll ask you, what's the difference between sex and pleasure? I think sex is something we all know of and we do, but pleasure is if you actually enjoy it and are getting what you want out of it. My Am babe. I correct? My bad. Oh, yes. Yeah. That just came out. And how, how common do you think the... Not common enough. Right. <laughs> yeah. And do you think that is because of shame around yes. asking for what you actually I think, want? do you know? Yeah. Like, I've been on all these courses, like I've, I've on my big journeys of self-discovery, and I'm never done, and I will be going on loads more, and I'm in various communities. I'm going to a, a sex talk tonight with a wonderful friend of mine, Emma Louise Boynton, who's leading that. it. Yeah. And everyone should follow her. She's wonderful. Emma, oh, yeah, I think I follow her. Yeah, she's awesome. She's yeah. absolutely awesome. So going to an event with her tonight. But it's about, Amazing. again, like the orgasm gap mm-hmm. and which could be repli- you know replicating the pay gap and mm. because it's again about asking and mm. having confidence in in what it is and what I need I recently read Pussy oh my good book I know you like that one I, I love that, that on book Instagram. I love that book yeah but I I recently went on a retreat and there was um it was all females and we were talking about stuff and I brought up that book and honestly a couple of people were like oh my god I don't want to read that. Like it was, you could feel them tense up. And oh. when I told them what it was about, they were like, oh no, I couldn't, I don't, no, I don't want to read that all. And it was just a bit like, that might have been me a few years ago. Mm. But now I've, you know, I've done all this work and I'm like, yeah, I, c- I could just see how uncomfortable even the topic of the book was making them. It's, I used to read it on the tube on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be provocative. <laughs> but I mean, it's, yeah. but it's so interesting and it, and it'd be, it'd be obviously they're not here and you know immediately but why wouldn't you and it's just because of shame it's shame you know, there are so many people that are not having fulfilling pleasure uh in their relationships right and i guess do you think part of it for women is we are reproduct like reproduction is what people associate with sex as well i think that can be part of it i think that can be part of relationship if you you know if you're trying to have children and and you can Mm. you can lose your way a bit but i think honestly it's so much shame how did you grow up what was the messaging yes um you know what what are your beliefs do you think you are asking for too much I think that's often what it is. I think that's such a thing with women as well. Oh, we're all too much. I take too long. Yeah. I might take too long. Mm. This is too long. I'm taking up too much space. Yes. I need to do this first. I need to earn it. Like, oh, my house isn't perfect or I'm not perfect or I didn't get a perfect wax or I didn't do this for you or I'm not wearing matching argent provocateur or I am, but, you know, like whatever. <laughs> like, that's something I own for myself yes. now. But, like, you know... It, all of these things are in your head yeah. that you have to earn it because you yeah. need to be a good girl. And it goes back to being perfect and it goes back to people pleasing and it goes back to trying to keep a lid on shame. And so if you think about all that stuff going on for you all the time, it's very hard to be in your pleasure and in your power, you know, and being... And even in your feminine energy. Completely. Because you're trying to control. So it's a much more like sort of masculine space to be. You're not in a place of being able to receive. You're not in a place of allowing whoever you're having sex with, however you identify. But, you know, we all embody masculine and feminine at different times and just allowing and receiving. And it's such a when you get to the space of I do know who I am. I do know what I need. And my God, I'm going to ask for it. You know, otherwise I don't want this. Right. I'll yeah. tell you what, I'll show you. You know, as well. Yeah. Like, and just, right. And yeah, then, like, it, and it's just a really amazing and I feel space. Like men would be more up for that as Love well. Love it. Yeah. Love it. And I, I've had big conversations with my male friends about this yeah. as well. So I've asked them, and mm. I'm like, 
And they all say to me, they go, oh my God, Annalie, there is nothing more attractive than a woman that can tell you what she wants rather than the like, I don't mind, I yeah. don't know. And we're not doing it to be wishy-washy or, or you know, we're just trying to be get on stay connected maybe not end up near a trauma response not maybe not quite people please but not be seen as being too much i think it's that i think it's not being seen to be yeah oh, extra or too much or, or whatever it might be but they say you know if you go out for for dinner with a girl i mean you've read pussy and it's just like and she just says i just want to have that glass of champagne and and that and they're like oh yes like i'm never gonna think yeah. oh crikey you cost me another 40 quid you know they yeah. want you to say what it is you need mm-hmm. and then the same in relationship itself yeah, like your needs important. around intimacy communication what does and doesn't work and then the same for you know actual intimacy sex and pleasure you have to be able to have that conversation and hold that space because i think sometimes what i mean speak of my own experience is you can't expect him to know uh-uh. everything there are some things that you think are oh, common common sense yeah but there are some things where from their point of view, if you aren't telling them, exactly, they won't know. Exactly. And then with regards to dating, it's about investment. Mm. So mm. I'm making an investment here, which is my time. And that's something I will never get back. Yeah. You know, so I'm making this investment of time. And you kind of need to be able to do this communication, do your needs around the relationship mm. and what's going on to, to consider whether I up my investment, I lower my investment, I keep it the same or I stop it. You know, and that it can happen continually. What do you think about gut feel? In dating, I think it's never wrong. Yeah. So if unfortunately, you go, yeah. <laughs> because what usually happens is three or four months down the line, you stand in the shower and you remember that thing that logged, that logged in your brain when the floor moves under you, and you go, oh, "Why did I ignore that red flag?" Yeah. So yes, yeah, red so. flags are a big thing, aren't they? Yeah. Um, but what about the whole if? Because I've had this in the past where I'm like, no, no, I don't want to see him again. Done. One date done. And my friends are like, oh, you don't even give them a chance. You don't know someone on one first date and all that. What would you say to that? So I'm going to give you some advice from a friend of mine who I was doing that and I was about to throw something out based on a story that I'd made up Mm. completely. Like I was like, oh, I think they're like this. I think they do this. I think they do that. Like complete story. Uh, And she said to me, Amy Chan, she's fantastic. Breakup boot camp. Book's out. She's incredible. Everyone should follow her. She's based in the States. She's amazing. And uh, she said to me, she went, listen, like this is when I put myself back out to do dating again. And she was like, right. The only two things you can say to yourself, I think so for at least the third, first three days, maybe more, am I having a good time? Would I like to see, see them, them again? again? And that is it. Yes. She's like, doesn't matter where they live, what kids you've got, they've got, what job they've got, what's their bag, anything. Like, does not matter because you get into a story as yeah. why it really would work yeah. or why it really won't work. She said, are you having fun? And would you like to see them again? And that is it. I guess you then have to strip back all that stuff, though, because you're like, oh, I would like to see them again, but you need to get rid of the but, don't you? Mm-hmm. Like, but it won't work because of this. Right. Yeah. Or the, the communication's a bit weird right now because I've only known for like two and a half minutes. Or, you know, um, yeah, I, I might be doing this with work. Or, yeah, or they said this one comment because probably they were nervous. You know, like it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like in dating, there's all this stuff and there's fine lines, isn't there, between all of it and all. And how do you feel about people that settle? I'm, I'm doing commas here. Yeah, um, I mean, I think, I don't know if my face made the look, <laughs> but inside there was an ick happening. <laughs> Hopefully it didn't. Maybe the Botox can save it. There's there's an inner ick happening. Yeah. What about settling? Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. I think, look, for me... Because you think you won't find someone better. Oh. Or just that... I do think there's a thing with women that we think we're more valuable in a relationship. 
if mm, we have a partner. Yeah. Whereas I now feel the opposite. No, completely. I feel yeah. completely opposite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not that, you know, I think being in a relationship is wonderful if you're with the right person. Mm. But what I've really come to learn and know, and I can just see it in other people now, it's like you're not in that relationship for potentially the right reasons. Yeah, I think for me, this is a skewed answer probably based on personal experience. Mm. And absolutely no disrespect to my ex-husband, we're very good co-parents and good pals and everything. But I felt invisible. In In the marriage by the end. Yeah, I'll tell you what's really funny. I went to Santa Fe with a really good friend of mine, Nikki, of Coaching Fame, of amazing uh, coaching fame. Yeah, and, some great friend. Uh, yeah, she's awesome. <laughs> and she just had her second child. We went out for like a really fun weekend together uh-huh. and, you know, get her back into her essence and yeah, all the fun stuff. Um, just by pouring lots of champagne down her throat and going to beach clubs, which is <laughs> my MO. And she asked me to wear her wedding rings when she went into the sea. She's worried about losing them. And I think she'd lost a bit of weight. She's like, do you mind me putting them on? And I was like, and they're beautiful. Yeah. I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah. I, and she came out and she was like, how is that? And I went, oh my God, I literally felt invisible. I hated having it on. Really? Yeah. And I used to love my wedding. I mean, I had, I had beautiful jewellery. I had, you know, really nice stuff. But I, it was a really weird feeling. I was like, oh my God, I just suddenly felt like I'd lost all my power. What, because of that was your personal experience before? I don't or know. Or you felt like no one was looking at you because you had a wedding <laughs> ring on. No, it didn't. No, it just sort of, it, and I was just sat on the beach waiting for her to have a swim. So I wasn't, felt, wasn't judging around, yeah, you know. Yeah. But I, I just, something about having that on in that moment just, yeah. I just, I just felt like all my personal power kind of went. Which is, to your point, this is my experience, I think. But having come through being a a marriage, like, you know, that being said, I would absolutely get married again. But it would be a very different Uh Uh uh, scenario. And, you know, it would be, like, very equal. And it would be, you know, me staying in this power that I've cultivated for myself. So it would be very different. And I do think that the right relationships provide the most incredible platform for you to really, Mm. you know, be in a cool team. And I'm at a different life stage. I've got my kid you know, I, it would be for very different reasons. So, um, yeah. But I, I think the settling thing, if you have an awareness of that's what you're doing, that's where it's it's really sad. Yeah. And well, you're burying it though. You're not. Kind yeah. Of, you're, you kind of know. But you're and that can like, oh. be again for trauma reasons. It can be for for self worth reasons. It can be for. Um, it could be from control because someone is telling you you won't do any better. So for yeah, people yeah, that are that's in. An interesting point. I mean, when I was going to be leaving my marriage, I had people saying to me. Do you not think you should wait and find someone else first? No. More than one person. That is more wild. But that's obviously what they think they would have to do. So that's the lens of of them. them. But just again, to sort of say... wouldn't bear to be on their own. Right. Yeah. But to say to people that maybe are in that space of should I, shouldn't I, I'm not sure. And, you know, like that that was said to me more than once because like effectively I couldn't survive alone in the wild. Look at me now. Yeah. (laughs) thriving look at me now what did you say back to them uh one of the things i would say to anyone that i won't take their advice is like oh that's interesting yeah yeah that's nice oh that's interesting yeah and then in my head i've gone like yeah god that is that's a terrible thing to say i can't but but to to the i guess that's the lens of them completely that they i went to a party (coughs) near where i live and i was the only person there on my own because oh, I've never minded that anyway. Mm. Most parties, like the guys and the girls go off in corners anyway. It makes no <laughs> yeah. so odds. I've always really enjoyed it. And very early on, this lady came up to me and went, but you're so attractive. Thank uh, you. But like, but like I was like, like I had a broken arm. She's yeah. like, you'll be okay. You're so attractive. And I was like, I said to them, I went, when was the last time you got to be in your house on your own? And you can see her brain being like, it's like I, have a, I have a great life, babe, but I'm not going without. Like, don't worry. Yeah, no, it's so true. I often get, how are you single? 
Yeah. And you know, you're like, I know that's a compliment, but oh, I don't it's, think it's it a is. backhanded, like, what's wrong with you then if you're single? Because I've got a really high benchmark. <laughs> and I've got that's amazing, the problem. my benchmark is now so high and I've got a really great life that yeah. I only allow people anywhere near my body, you know, like sharing anything, yeah, totally. my life, my friends, my kid that are exceptional. So like people in my life romantically are exceptional. Yeah, my cup is full, so you need to overflow it. <laughs> I think that's a really nice way to round off here because that's the theme of wholeness with Hannah is fill up your own cup first. But well, thank you. This has been an amazing I've conversation. Loved it. So I usually ask everyone three questions at the end. Let's do it. Can I get one of your favourite quotes? Ooh, yes. The I'm going to get this slightly wrong. It's Prowse, but the real voyage of discovery is not in seeing new landscapes, but in having new eyes. Wow. I need to. That was that was very good off the top of your head. Amazing. Mm. I'll I'll put this. It's on probably the show slightly wrong. Yeah. Oh, lovely. Uh, a book recommendation. Ooh, one that we haven't mentioned. Uh, I'm also going to tag Pussy in the notes. Of this definitely tag Pussy. I think one book that would help anyone if they're having some sort of negative self-talk, self-worth, that's just a really easygoing read, and I recommend it all the time, is The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. It's not okay. long. I've not read it. Oh, it's stunning. He's absolutely wonderful, and it just really helps you with self-sabotage. So when things start going well, hi, everyone, like, so you start dating yes. someone that is great, and you're like, oh, well, I'm going to text my ex. Yeah. So I'm going to, like... I'm gonna, <laughs> I need to ruin this somehow. Yeah, I need, somehow. I need to ruin this new fantastic opportunity that I've got. Like, so I'm going to go off the deep end. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's a, so But it's true. really interesting about why we self-sabotage underlying behaviours from our childhood. Uh-huh. And it's just gorgeous. And it's a short read. So that one. Amazing. Thank you. And a piece of life advice you'd give your younger self? Oh, I love that question. I say to my daughter all the time, because I try and be careful what I say, you know, I'm trying to, like, put, put good language into her system. And I'm, I'm like... You might not know all the answers, but you will figure it out. Trust the process. Just just know that you're going to figure it out, okay? And give yourself the time to do it. Amazing. Thank you. And where can the listeners find you? Uh, so Annalie, at Annalie Howling is my Instagram, which is the biggest sort of community that we've got there. All that I've talked about here, particularly the trauma and the fawning in more detail is on YouTube. So I've got okay. longer form videos. There's even a free masterclass on there called Decoding Self-Love. Right. 45 minutes of meditation in there Lovely. where you meet your older self. That's at Annalie Howling. That's YouTube. There is TikTok. I need to give it a bit more love, but that's Annalie Howling as well. Okay, lovely. I will put all the links in Thank the show Thank you, my notes. darlings. And one other thing I just want to touch on we're here is that we have recorded in the cinema production studios today how have you find that i've loved it it's really lovely the team's amazing i'm feeling a lot of uh warmth and love in here it's and very I like cool the, isn't it it's very cool and i'm loving the historical uh who we're joining the greats and the goods that we're joining yes. here so yeah so just want to say thank you to them as well yeah they've been awesome thank you team thank and you team. yes thank you i've loved chatting to you thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of wholeness with hannah I hope you found it insightful and uplifting and my one wish is that it's left you a little more equipped than it found you. Shout out to my amazing guests and my wonderful producer, Mariana. If you could subscribe, rate and review, I'd love you forever because it really helps the podcast or share with a friend if you think it will help them. You can also follow the pod on Insta at Wholeness with Hannah. Thanks and see you next episode.